theme for today's sermon is hunger for God. And we're going to go straight into it. What does it mean to hunger for God? I'm really amazed nowadays. I was just thinking about this today. Back in the day, if you wanted to research something, I'd have to go to a set of encyclopedias or a library. But now I just open my phone or log onto my PC and Google. (laughs) Before, back in the day, if it was Collins, encyclopedias and stuff like that, now it's Google. So I always refer to Google. So in respect to hunger, Google defines it as a feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by lack of food or coupled with the desire to eat or to have a strong desire or craving for. While dictionary.com says it's a compelling need or desire for food or a shortage of food or famine. So what sparks hunger? For me, I think there's three key things. Appetite, desire and need. And according to Google, appetite is a natural desire to satisfy a bodily need, especially for food or a strong desire or liking for something. While desire is a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. There are similarities, but hunger differs from appetite and desire. Hunger is where we experience a lack of something, while appetite and desire are choices. Appetite is more born out of a desire for something you would like to have. Hunger is born out of a necessity and need that the others do not reflect. When we are physically hungry, we need to eat to give us energy to work or perform some activity to replenish and restore what has been used. When you satisfy hunger, it is to essentially keep you going while your appetite, you may not need it to keep going. So what does hunger for God or spiritual hunger look like? Spiritual hunger meets and acknowledges our need for God in every part of our life. For his life and power to be at work in us and through us. It fine-tunes our human desires to his desires and will. Spiritual hunger opens our eyes to God's works and will in this world. We need God to feed our spirit our mind and body, with more of him. A quote from Levi Lusko's New Version Bible Plan. You can't do God's work without God's power. Hunger for God helps develop and maintain a healthy relationship with God and others. We need to come back to a fresh longing for God, and spiritual hunger will ensure every day will feel like a fresh encounter with him. He transforms our minds, our flesh, and most importantly, our hearts to hunger for him. But it takes hard work and dedication from us to maintain a level of hunger for him. God made our hearts to need to worship. We must be careful to ensure our hearts worship only him and nothing else. Something that struck me just today about us being vessels, but sometimes we worship this thing here, the flesh, you know, if you look at modern advertisements today, it's all buff bodies and pretty looking people. Advertisers have caught on to that now, and you see more curvy people on TV and people who aren't the model look because they've caught on because they can't cater for all that now. It's not realistic because this is not a temple. Well, this is not the idol, this is not what you should worship. 
You should worship what's inside of the vessel. That's what you need to worship. Spiritual hunger helps us confront our self-centered nature. We are selfish and self-centered creatures at heart until Jesus changes us. Jesus is all in for us. Will we be all in for him? Amen. Hunger for God will negate worldly hunger, sin, and unrighteousness. Some worldly hungers can and will draw you away from a hunger for God. When we are hungry, we sometimes choose the most convenient option rather than the best or healthiest option for us. Who's, who, when they're hungry, sees a McDonald's, a KFC, Nando's? Or would you prefer to go M&S? Or one of those other places and have to cook your food? Yeah? Complacency, discouragement, failures or disappointments can hinder your spiritual hunger. Even the best spirit-filled believer can fall into this. Don't let your circumstances rob you of your hunger for God. Sometimes it's only through our desperation that we hunger for him and we're able to draw closer to him. Spiritual hunger develops desperation in us. We see it many times in the Bible that only through spiritual hunger people were driven to action. But we must be careful in our desperation not to take things out of God's hands. We must be faithful to him and persevere and trust that the Lord will answer our cry. We see this with Job when he endured and waited for God. Please don't confuse spiritual drought for spiritual hunger. They are different. Spiritual hunger is when we are actively seeking more from God to do more for God. While spiritual drought may lead you to reigniting your spiritual hunger, but they are completely different things. Spiritual drought is where we have moved away from God, where we have blocked so many avenues for God to flow through that we can't receive his blessings, his wisdom and his knowledge because we are not allowing God to use us and direct us as we should. So don't be discouraged if you do experience spiritual drought, but you must press into spiritual hunger because the Lord is waiting and he wants to pour out so much more into you. That's one thing that we, we need to realise when we're in Jesus God waits for us. That's an essential part of understanding God. He waits for us. He's never late. God is, this is one thing you can trust God, he's never late. So that means you're early and you can't be because God knows it before you. You're on time, which means you're in line with God, or you're behind. And most of the time, we're late. Yeah? If we're honest, we're late. Because God's waiting for us. If he wasn't waiting for us, he would have destroyed the world already. And started from scratch. Yeah? Yes. Do you want to miss out on what Jesus has for you? No. Is Angie the only person in church today? (laughs) Obviously. Do you want to miss out on what Jesus has for you? No. Thank you, church. (laughs) Blessings beyond this world. He is waiting for you to hunger and seek after him. To seek him every day and live a spirit-empowered life. Psalm 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. When we hunger for God, we long to please him in all aspects of our life. So is hunger for God like seeking God? And then when we find him, do we stop looking for him? Or is hunger for him constantly seeking more of him? 
For me, hungering for God is more about longing, commitment, and intentionality. We are intentionally wanting more of God, seeking more of God, yearning for more of God. Spiritual hunger will entail a continuous seeking for more of his presence and his works for our lives. He will fill us over and over again with his presence and power and will give us abilities beyond ourselves. Luke 11 verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus stresses we don't have because we don't ask. But we must ask reverently and purposefully, not for ourselves but for his glory and his kingdom. James addresses this in his book, in chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Those who hunger for him have learned to call to God in every situation for all their needs. God wants to move in and in every aspect of our lives and show even more of his great love and grace to us when we call on his name. Psalm 86, verses 4 to 5. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. At the end of the day, it's all about him. So everything we do, everything we are motivated by, should all be about him. We need to hunger for him, to stay in step with the Lord through the Holy Spirit, to find out his will and his purposes for us. Again, I'll stop there. The word of the psalmist says, gladden the soul of your servant. It doesn't say gladden your body. It doesn't say gladden your mind. It says gladden your soul. We've got to be careful, church, about interpreting how we read the Bible. Because lots of people misguide you with that soul bit. But the soul is essential. That's what God saves. And then he puts the body, the eternal body around it. But that's the important bit, the soul. You've got to watch over your soul. Yes, have a fit body. I'm not saying don't keep yourself in shape. But make sure your spiritual body is up to scratch as well. What are the blessings for being hungry for God? Our spiritual hunger helps us know God better, deeper and more intimately. It is instigated by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Psalm 119 verses 1 to 3 Blessed are those whose way is blameless Who walk in the law of the Lord Blessed are those who keep his testimonies Who seek him with their whole heart Who also do no wrong But walk in his ways Spiritual hunger honours God And he honours our hunger By blessing us through it What I've learned walking with God Is the more he gives me The more I hunger for him Strange isn't it because with a normal appetite, the more you have, the less of an appetite that you have. But with God, the more he gives us, and the more we receive of him, the more we want of him. A quote from Mike Bickle. God releases more of his power and presence according to the measure of our hunger for him. It's like enjoying your food and not receiving the calories. And the extra pounds. For taking pleasure in our appetites is truly wonderful. For God's a good God, and he wants us to receive more of him. John 6, verses 33 to 35. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven 
and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus replied to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry, and the one who believes in me as saviour will never be thirsty, for that one will be sustained spiritually. Those who hunger for God establish their faith in him, what he has done and what he will do for those who will believe in his name. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast, that is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character, because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Spiritual hunger allows us to build and live a God-focused lifestyle. And it will defeat procrastination. I am prone to procrastination. Believe me, it's a struggle sometimes when I'm preparing to preach and the TV is on and my wife is watching the program and I get into it and I think, Lord, I need to get over the preach. So, but when I'm focused on him, it alleviates that. Because I think, nope. This can wait. That's not important. This is important. This will also impact. This will also affect the impact that we have for God if we're not having that hunger for Him. Spiritual hunger increases your impact for His work in you and through you. You may have an impact for God when you walk in faith by yourself, but you have a much greater impact for God when you walk with Him. An impact which can change lives, the world, if you walk in faith with Him. Now you may say I'm, I'm contradicting that, that you're, how can you walk with uh, God or do God's work and not have him walking with you? It's quite simple, you are, you can, you can be doing religious things and think you're doing it for God, but God didn't tell you to do that. Yeah? Life is a journey and Jesus is the greatest companion and friend we will ever have, the greatest joy and peace we will ever have. A lot of people today have made their focus their journey with God and not fulfilling the purpose God had for them. People live their lives wanting to have a good journey but may not even consider seeking what God wants them to do. The Bible, even Jesus, flips this on its head and says, no, the purposes of God is key. Yes, the journey is important, a journey of life testifying of the good news of God, a journey of trials and tribulations. But it's fulfilling God's purposes that please him. Again, when the last day comes, Jesus is not going to be asking you, did you have a good life? Did you achieve everything that you thought you was going to achieve? I think all he's going to say is, did you do what I asked you to do? In a nutshell, that's what he's going to be doing. Did you do what I asked you to do? Believe me, church, if you're getting convicted, I am getting convicted right here preaching. So this is truth. This is what God tells me to say this is what I have to share with you guys Jesus could have had a good life here on earth he could have been king of this natural world but he did not want that he wanted to be king of his father's kingdom a perfect kingdom of hope joy and peace no death, no suffering or sin a kingdom created and sustained by his will and purposes Jesus was destined to be king of his father's kingdom but he had to follow and obey the Father's will. If we want to be a part of God's kingdom, we need to hunger for the Holy Trinity to work through us, to show us their will and to be our light so we can be a light for them in this world. Spiritual hunger draws us near to God in times of trouble 
and enables us to endure trials when they come. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. David and many other children of God drew strength from their spiritual hunger when they were in despair. They remembered what God had said and done for them, and they lifted up praise and glory to God and hungered for God's presence, love and righteousness. I go to the cinema quite a bit and I watch a lot of films. But if you look at the most popular films in history, it's always been about overcoming, hasn't it? People have faced odds that are against them, completely against them, and they've come through. That's the success story that we have, church. The odds were against us. We were the other side of salvation before. We were enemies of God, and now we're friends, children. We are, we've, by God's grace, we've defeated the odds and become new creations. We are success stories. So when the enemy or your self-doubts or your insecurities come in your heart, just remember, you are a victory. Hallelujah. God won through for you, so don't put yourself down. He doesn't put you down. Elisha was even so bold as to ask for a double portion of God's anointing. He hungered to serve and to be used, and God used him greatly, even more so than Elijah, his mentor. A humble heart opens you to more of God's blessings and blessings for others. Hunger for God makes us realise we need to love and more importantly, we need to be loved. I'll say that one again because that really hit me. Hunger for God makes us realise we need to love so we show love to the world. But more importantly, we need to be loved. Now I'm not talking about your partner. It's good for your partner to love you. Don't get me wrong. It's more important for God to love you and for you to accept that love. Paul, even in his imprisonment, still hungered for more of God to be seen in the churches God had led him to plant and the people he had mentored. Psalm, verse, Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? But there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. When we desire more of God, he increases our capacity and hunger to receive more of him. Psalm 63 from verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Spiritual hunger ensures we will glorify and give thanks to God and acknowledge his power at work in us and around us. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. When you're hungry for God, he will give you the desires of your heart. Just remember, you have to be in line with him. Things can and move more powerfully when you are hungry for God. You receive direction, 
And in the Bible, when famines came, the people went to the places or to the people who had food. Those who were hungry for God and his kingdom looked for where and how the Messiah would come, what he would represent, and the works he would do for his people. That's why multitudes of people flocked to Jesus when he walked the earth, for they were hungry for God's presence, his touch, his love. Two instances in the Bible where Jesus feeds many people. One instance we see with the bread and the fish. But then Jesus, when the people came back after that one, Jesus says the warning, you're not coming back to see me. You're coming back because your belly was full. They missed the point. They need to be fed with him, his spirit, his truth, not the food that he could provide. God continues to feed us physically, spiritually and mentally when we allow him to take control of our lives. I believe God continues to raise generations hungry for him. I want to be part of a God-hungry generation. Do you? Those who are hungry for God will be filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to do the works of God. The overflow of God will bless the hungry believer and those around them, both believer and unbeliever alike. Hunger for God helps us listen for his leadings through the Holy Spirit. We will want to worship and draw closer to him, but more importantly, we will want to follow and obey his leadings. Hunger for him helps us experience, use and excel in the gifts of the Spirit. For our spiritual hunger, we find and sharpen our gifts as we press deeper into how God wants to use us to progress his kingdom. God abundantly provides to those who would faithfully use what God places in their hands. Matthew 25, verse 29. For to everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given and he will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, because he has ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God, even what he does have will be taken away. I've used the amplified version there because we always, that's a very familiar verse. Yeah, most people know that verse. For to everyone who has, more will be given. But the Amplified expands it and says, but you've got a responsibility with what he has given you. You've got to value what he's given you, and you will be blessed, and you have to use them wisely. Because then he goes to the next bit, and there's a warning. Because if those who didn't appreciate the blessings or the gifts, they won't get more. God has provided us all with specific gifts according to his purposes. We must discover and explore these gifts and use them wisely and humbly for his glory. God will use our gifts to bless others and ourselves. Again, all I'll say with that one is, with our gifts, don't uh, exclude yourself from certain gifts. If you think that, yeah, you'd love to prophesy, pray, seek God, I didn't originally start prophesying. All I did was pray. But God has used my prayer to then emphasize my prophecy gift. For years I thought I was a teacher, and I do teach. But God is using me through prophecy to touch people, to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, something that can encourage someone. So don't rule yourself out of the gifts, but seek after them. God will not turn you away if you're seeking big. More so, he might answer you, He might surprise you and answer you and give you more than you thought you were going to ask for. 
Spiritual hunger teaches us to ask God for more of his gifts. God wants to give us more of himself, but he wants us to ask and be active in working with him with his gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Pursue this love with eagerness, make it your goal, yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church, but especially that you may prophesy to foretell the future, to speak a new message from God to the people. I'll just put a caveat on that about uh, foretelling the future. We are not fortune tellers. No. Yeah? A lot of people think those who are prophetic are fortune tellers, that we can see into the future. No. We may give you a word of wisdom that God has given us, but we can't tell you what the future is. Only God knows that. The minute we start venturing into God's territory, we're in big trouble. Yeah? Yeah. So if you're hankering for prophecy, it's about getting more wisdom words from God. It's about getting more knowledge words from God. Not to foretell if you're going to win the, the 330 at Epsom. Yeah? Doesn't do it for that. Spiritual hunger, spiritually hungry people yearn to be filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. Not out of greed, but out of necessity as he pours out more of himself into them with his presence and his power. This works for us and out of us, for it is not ours to keep, but to bless others with what we have. Hunger for God develops perseverance and determination to seek and acquire more of God, be it his wisdom, righteousness, patience, grace, mercy, and love. In short, we seek a greater encounter of the living, sanctifying presence of God here on earth. So what things should we hunger for from God? And just to say, I wouldn't say a jag, a big mansion, a pretty wife, a a handsome husband, yeah? You can ask, but I want to focus on what we should be really hungering from God. We need to hunger for the advancement of God's kingdom. That's key for us. Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. And we need to hunger for God's righteousness and honor his name. Jesus said you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for his righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Why should we thirst for his righteousness? Because unrighteousness will blind us to his truth and his love. Spiritual hunger takes away our spiritual blindness. John 9 shows Jesus healing a man blind from birth, and he believed Jesus was Lord. However, the leaders of the day, the Pharisees, would not believe because of their legalism and hard hearts. We must be careful that a lack of spiritual hunger does not harden our hearts, or we think we know better than God. We will never know everything, but being hungry for God will give us more than we ever need for every occasion. How can we continue to be hungry for God? As I said before, there are responsibilities for being hungry for God. If God gives you something, he's going to expect you to do something with it. I feel you become more spiritually hungry when you realise you can't live without God, but even more so when you decide you never want to or choose to live your life without Jesus. A quote from Tim Keller. You don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. 
You always need and want more of him, not just in yourself, but in the people around you. And you will do anything to satisfy that hunger. Hunger for God is always two-pronged. You seek more of God, God will give you more. But then you realise the people around you need God as well. Have you noticed that, church? And you are hungering for them to be saved. I think he starts that, he starts in you and then he works it out through you. So you've really got to get hold of this. There, was a, there is an example of a man in the Old Testament called Obed-Edom. King David trusted him to keep the ark when David tried to return it to Jerusalem after it had been recaptured from their enemies. But due to the irreverent way it was being transported, God struck down some who carried it. Just to give you some context, the ark, when the Israelites had it, was always at the forefront when they went into battle. When Joshua went into battle, the ark was always there in the front because the presence of God was going before their army. And they defeated many, many armies and peoples because the presence of God was walking before them. Then they fell into sin and God raised up enemies that would overcome them and they captured the ark. Now, even though the enemies had the ark, they couldn't use it in the same way as the Israelites because God's presence would not work for them. King David came along and he had a burden that he wanted that ark back. And he wanted it back in his city. Jerusalem is David's city. So they won because God's presence was with David. And they got the ark back. But they were supposed to carry the ark in a particular way. If you read Exodus, there were four people that used to carry the ark. And they were all priests. Not army people, not ordinary people, priests. And they had to carry it a particular way. But David had forgotten that. And as they were carrying it, someone touched the ark and they dropped dead. And that's the context because David has seen that and he's, he's realised, oh, I've forgotten the fear of God there. And God has shown me that I've forgotten it. So what does he do? He talks to Obed-Edom and he leaves the ark with Obed-Edom. Now, can you imagine you're Obed-Edom and King David comes to you. He's the king. You can't deny him. And he says... He's maybe seen or heard what's happened with the ark. King David knows exactly what's happened with the ark. That's why he's coming to Obed, to leave it with him. And he says, Obed, faithful servant maybe, I have the ark. I want you to keep it in your house till we're ready to take it in Jerusalem. I bet Obed's first thought was, why me, Lord? Why are you putting this on me? It's not my ark. Why are you putting it on me? Why? Because he's got fear of the Lord. He knows exactly what the ark can do and what it's capable of. But he doesn't say no. The Bible doesn't say all of that stuff. I'm just paraphrasing here. He doesn't say no and he keeps it at his house. And what happens? He's blessed. We'll come on to that now. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Isn't that great? Something that they feared. Something that could bring destruction, literally. But it didn't because Obed had a fear of God. And he was happy that the presence of God was there. Because we go on. This man would not only... After they returned the ark to Jerusalem, this man would go on to being a harp player in the worship team and he was also a gatekeeper for the ark he had experienced the presence of the Lord 
and he hungered for more of it. So even though he started off maybe shaky ground with God, once he had a taste, once he had that hunger, he, it, nothing else would compare. And he wanted to be with it all the time. Once you encounter the living God, you never want anything else, and you will desire more of him through everything. Joshua 1.8 This book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you can be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Spiritual hunger takes our eyes off of us and puts our eyes onto God. It focuses us and leads us into a new life in him. Has anyone seen the film I Can Only Imagine? No? I would look it up. It might be on Netflix. This is the story of Bart Millard. As a child, he had a very hard life. His father mentally and physically abused him. His mum abandoned him. And as a young man, he was seeking for something. He wanted to make himself a success because all he had seen before was failure and heartache. But it's only when he put himself down, when he took his eyes off of himself and put his eyes on Jesus, that he realised there was more. He was more, and that's when God blessed him. That's when God sent the answer and sent his salvation to save him. Spiritual hunger will always lead us to God and his rescue plan for mankind. Carrying on with Bart's story. God saved him from bitterness, anger and resentment and gave him a new heart. Then he blessed him greatly. And by him receiving God into his heart, he has blessed so many of their hearts with his song, I Can Only Imagine. That's a very well-known Christian song. If you Google it, it comes up. Now he's got a powerful testimony, not only just in his song, but in his story. Lord, I pray that we can do the same. I've learned that that we all need to cry out to God. It's only then that things will change. That's what I've learned from the Psalms and David's life. When he suffered hard times, he realised the only thing he could do when things are out of his control is to cry out to God. And what we must realise is, when we do cry out to God and give it to him, we acknowledge we can't do it ourselves. We need God. We need his hand at work in our situation. I've seen myself that when I cry out, God answers. He may answer instantly, in the next few minutes, hours, days, months or years but he will answer. And he moves out or overcomes everything that was causing me concern or causing me heartache. And he makes me not only stronger, but he makes me understand and love him even more. Hunger for God helps us believe God loves us. Once we seek more of God, we experience more of his great and awesome love for us. I want to receive more of him and seek more of him. So as the Bible says, we must use our trials and tribulations to draw and pressing closer to God because God has so much more for us when we do. Not too far. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith or experience produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. So spiritual growth, spiritual hunger will bring spiritual growth and maturity. Don't be bloated with things not of God, but be filled and satisfied with the things of God, i.e. his righteousness, love, grace and mercy. 
John 4, verses 13 to 14. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give him will become in him a spring of life, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up continually flowing, bubbling within him to eternal life. Spiritual hunger provides a way for Jesus' water of life to overflow from us. This helps us not to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So this protects us from not falling into sin. Romans 8, verses 13 and 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. God will birth a need in you through your hunger. You receive or carry a burden for him out of your hunger, and he will satisfy your hunger and maybe give you a fresh one for other things for the kingdom. Being hungry for God is not a choice, it's a necessity. So as we stay close to living God and feed only on him and not do anything the world has for us, we won't get bloated. God will continually fill us, but he will never bloat us. Bloated people cannot act or move effectively. Does everyone understand what I mean by being bloated? Bloated is when you've eaten so much, you don't want to move anywhere. So you've probably gone to an all-you-can-eat restaurant and eaten a bit too much, and now you can't move. Those who are bloated may be bloated with things that are not good for them, but because they taste or appear nice, they keep eating them. They are uncomfortable, queasy, and don't want to go anywhere apart from just sitting where they are. I guess this is a warning. Some churches can become like that. Believers are bloated with just experiencing good worship, good preaching, good hospitality. And yes, that is good. But if you're not working this out in your living testimony of Jesus in your life, in your workplace, in your speech, it won't benefit you and it won't benefit others. What should be your greatest delicacy, a special treat to be enjoyed and savoured, will just become normal, even bland, and it will lose its novelty and its enjoyment. We all have something we wish we could enjoy lots of every day, but we know we shouldn't. We are all familiar with the term, a moment on the lips is a lifetime on the hips, or something along those lines. Being hungry for God, he will provide a balanced diet rather than an unhealthy one, where you are satisfied and won't get bloated, where it keeps you fighting fit and not overweight. Where you get a heart change rather than a heart attack. Yeah, amen. Where your hunger for him draws others to be hungry for him. Be careful what you eat to remain hungry for him. A bad diet will spoil your appetite and be unhealthy for you. So be careful what you allow into your spirit. Not all things that look good for you are good for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you discern what is good for you and what is not. The enemy, like advertisements, will try and trick you into thinking what is not good for you is good for you. Our parents provided us with what was good for us when we grew up, and we didn't like what was good for us, did we? Our vegetables. Mm. Anyhow, when we are sick, we have to take medicine to get better, don't we? Do we want to take the medicine? No. And who avoids taking medicine? Amen. Why? Because we don't like the taste, we don't like the smell, or we don't like the feeling they bring. But the outcome is normally a positive one, 
and we do start to begin to feel bitter. Hunger for God may not be the sweetest taste, but it's good for you. Second, two, Second Peter 2 verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Spiritual hunger keeps us from false gods and idols in our lives. It enables us to discern what is from him and what is not from him. If Jesus is our focus, we will want nothing else but him, with nothing to distract us or hinder us from having him. Be warned, church, Romans 1 warns you can know God and then fall away from him. If our hearts are allowed to be distracted, what may feel like God might not be him. Dan Lian, one of the speakers at the Eden Conference, said to us, if Jesus came up to you and sniffed you, would he smell a sheep? Or would he smell a wolf in sheep's clothing? Remember, sheep go, bah, bah. But sheeps in wolf's clothing will howl, ooh. <laughs> the good shepherd would know the difference. And he's going to deal with you accordingly on his triumphant return. A quote from A.W. Tozer. The only safe place for a sheep is by the side of his shepherd. Because the devil does not fear sheep, he just fears the shepherd. That is all. Hunger for God ensures we, are all, we will be eager and ready for Jesus' return. The day of the Lord's judgment for the living and the dead. We are not eager to see him judge the world. For some, that will be a terrible day. But we will be eager to see his kingdom and authority fully in place. Sin, sickness and death destroyed. And all God's children, those who are alive and those who have passed the glory enjoying the full presence and love of God for all eternity. You need to be acceptable to him on that day. Don't delay. Put your trust in the only one who can and will save us. Spiritual hunger develops a healthy fear of the Lord in us. Some of the attributes of the fear of the Lord are reverence, humility, obedience, courage, strength. And hunger develops expectancy and demands humility and brings us strength and power. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles, rising toward the sun. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not grow tired. Spiritual hunger requires patience and diligence. We need to encourage, cultivate, and persevere for spiritual hunger to remain with us and around us. And hunger keeps you connected to God. It also ensures you have a healthy relationship with the Lord's Saviour because he will speak through you when you seek him diligently with all your being. He always answers our cry. He never denies a person's heart to know him. Spiritual hunger helps us revere and glorify the Lord. We will give our first fruit to him gladly every day without fail, making time for God to worship him and acknowledge and glorify him in everything that we do. Spiritual hunger gives us the mindset to ask, to follow, to love as Jesus loved. Remember, church, we are supposed to be his sheep. Sheep love to graze on grass, and they're not aggressive. They don't eat one another. Yeah? Sheep don't eat one another. I don't know about some of you out there, but sheep don't eat one another. 
Only the beasts of the wolves devour and scatter. So stay close to the good shepherd and be careful what you feed yourself. Spiritual hunger helps us to seek the face and will of God. Jesus was a great example of this. He always went away to solitary places to pray and seek the will of the Father. I'm sure even when he was doing his healings, he would seek the will of the Father and what he needed to do. Prayer and fasting sharpens and increases our spiritual hunger. Jesus showed us some things will not shift unless we do it with prayer and fasting. Just to add a note for the notices earlier, for that prayer evenings that we're doing, Pastor David has asked if those who can can fast for that time as well. Because, as I said, we're pressing in. We want, to, we want more of God. And we know prayer and fasting is the only way we can receive more. He is completely our sustainer. If we ever lose a hunger for him, we are in dire straits. Not only us, but the people God has called us to impact. Spiritual hunger brings awakening for you and for others. We awaken the spiritual hunger of others for our spiritual hunger. So be alert and willing to act on what God shows you through your spiritual hunger. The last quote from A.W. Tozer. The only Christian you want to listen to is the one who gives you more of a hunger for God. So in conclusion, hunger for God will acknowledge our complete need for him, focus us on him, birth hope and burdens in us and for others, see his strength will rise in us, build us up with faith in him, anchor us in him, allow us to experience more of him, and bring us spiritual growth and maturity. Spiritual hunger helps us to learn what God wants us to treasure, to yearn for, in every iota of our being as his children, to live in his glorious presence and to show his great, exalted, precious love to others. A love that overflows, that heals, that redeems, that sanctifies, that shows the almighty trinity in their glorious, glorious grace towards us. So church, let's wake up. Let's awaken our spiritual hunger. Let's go to the living God who is our living bread and our living water. And let's share what we have with others so that they may also enjoy spiritual hunger and the blessings of a gracious God. God wants us to know and enjoy more of him. So I pray, church, that we have that hunger for him because he wants to give us more and more of himself in Jesus' precious name. Amen.